I promised Miles I wouldn't do my Connery. He thinks it's terrible. And I agree. This is actually more Scottish than I intended. But this stupid show couldn't even get a decent Ramirez. We're talking about Highlander, the animated series. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. My name is Drew, and we are back tuning in to some more cartoon animated spinoffs of live action movies, of R-rated live action movies in a lot of these cases. And today we are here to talk about Highlander, the animated series. And of course, I can't do it alone. I've brought along Miles. How are you, good friend? I I'm alive. <laughs> I, I made I made it through this one, <laughs> <laughs> but we are talking about one of the biggest franchises of the 80s and 90s, and we felt like we couldn't do this alone. So we have brought along with us some special g- 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 ghosts, the hosts of the Let's Watch Highlander podcast, Audi and TV's Travis. Welcome, guys. I don't have Eternal any power to Cortan. <laughs> Eternal <laughs> power to Cortan, indeed. Guys, welcome, mm-hmm. welcome, welcome. Tell us about your relationship with the Highlander franchise. I we do a show weekly where we are going episode by episode through Highlander the series, not the animated series, but the <laughs> series, uh, a good series. Exactly. Yes. Um, I have been a fan. I've been a fan of Highlander. Uh, I think I watched the first movie. I don't even remember when I saw the first movie. And then I remembered the show being on uh, and 20 something years ago, I just sort of was like, I'm going to, I'm going to actually really pay attention to this show. And they were playing it on spike. It was one of those afternoon blocks where it would play for like three hours a day. And I just fell in love with it. And I've been gobbling it up ever since I love the, the lore behind everything. And so a while back, Audie and I were chatting and he brought up, Hey, we should do, we should do a podcast, like a, like a West wing. Uh, I think you mentioned the West wing podcast. You're like, we should do something like that, but with Highlander. So I jumped at it and it's been a ton of fun. Travis was like, we should. And I was like, okay. Let's do it. And so we started doing it. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I I think I started watching Highlander the series um, and then eventually saw the movie probably on TBS or at, at some point. Um, and but really, the series is what really got me into it. And then, you know, watched some of the sequel movies when they came to theater and <sighs> wish I got my money back for those. Good Lord. Um, Diminishing returns is is being kind to the Highlander yeah. sequels. So, um, but yeah, always, always loved the concept. And, uh, like Travis said, we jumped at the opportunity to kind of collaborate and, uh, give us a good reason to actually watch the series all the way through. And it's been super fun to do that and see that a series about people who cut each other's heads off has some of the best relationships we've seen written on television. (laughs) Surprisingly. Yeah. It's a surprisingly well-written show for a 90s syndicated, like television series that went my, for my how many seasons at least six six yeah, six, yeah. My, my relationship with the franchise is very similar to 
to Audis because I, I feel like I watched the series first. I remember having a, a good friend. And of course, as friends do, we're, we're comparing trash to different fictional characters who would want to fight. And he brings up the Highlander because the show had just started coming out. And I didn't know who that was. And he was describing a scene, I think, from the show. It might be from the first movie where uh, I think it's. I think it's Connor. It falls down like an elevator shaft and like all of his bones are disjointed and he starts like cracking them out of place or back into place and, you know, basically popping back up. And I was like, that sounds awesome. And I, I watched the show, fell in love with it, watched the movies probably when I was a little bit older and could rent R-rated movies. But my dad was really generous when it came to science fiction, especially like if it was if it was sci fi fantasy stuff, he almost always let me watch it. Um, and so I definitely saw the first two. I am one of the few, of the proud defenders of the second movie. <laughs> I, I uh, actually, not because it's good. It's just super fun and stupid. I actually heard something wild about the second movie. That is a re edit, a recut that they have done in the last few years, uh, where they have another cut, one. They, I mean, I mean, maybe it's 10 years ago and I just don't know because Highlander. There 2, was the renegade version that came out in the 90s. Is mm-hmm. that does that is that the one that cuts out all the alien stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That was in the yeah, 90s. So, and I only just learned about it then. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think because look, the, the first movie was never really meant to have a sequel, right? It's a right. self-contained, it's a great self-contained little story. And it was wildly, like it was way more popular than people anticipated it being. It made a bunch of money. Studio wanted to make another one. They threw a, probably just truckloads of money at Russell Mulcahy and, and, uh, and Christopher Lambert and probably a, a, some other illicit uh, substances and said, make another movie. And so they did. And it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And they almost immediately backpedaled. Uh, and the Renegade <laughs> version is better. Uh, it's still not good, but it's better because at least I, it makes some sense. I not remember. Lot, I feel like it was the maybe it's been the VHS or the, or the very early DVD version. It came with like this little um, kind of like a manual, but it had a little letter from the director that he had written about essentially that he had saw the sequel as an opportunity to basically reboot or remake Highlander. And mm-hmm. not so much mm-hmm. follow up Highlander, which I thought was an interesting, especially in what, 1988, when that movie came out, whenever it came out. Very, very bold decision to make. And mm-hmm. I mean, of course, that that decision was not relayed to the audience who, who went no. to see it, who was probably <laughs> very, very confused, as we all were when you find out they're all aliens. And honestly, watching this series that we're, we're discussing this week, this feels so much more in line with the world of the second film than anything else. Yeah. 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 It, 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 really, it really does. It's why I bring it up. Let's let's get into Highlander, the animated series. So like a lot of the, the shows that we have been uh, talking about this month, there's not a lot of history that we can find about why this came to be. Uh, we could just say that it came to be and some of the the, the productions involved. Um, Obviously, this is a very different take on Highlander, uh, but this is uh, was was put out by Gamon Multimedia, uh, which is a a French <laughs> company that has been around for 126 years. It has been it has been a film production company since 1895, um, wow. and uh, 
they are responsible for a, n- a number of, of notable things, but some of the productions that they have done in the animated world, which is again, because most of the other uh, stuff, they, uh, they they did the fifth element uh they were, were uh, responsible for the fifth element they did uh, a bunch of 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 things serials back in the the 19 teens uh and uh for animated stuff we got highlander the animated series that we watched uh dragon flies uh which is i believe based on a toy line uh sky dancers which is also based on a toy line i think I there were the sky ones dancers. that you could just pull and they'd spin in the air and i'm doing yes. all this stuff for the camera that you guys oh, can't yeah, see yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're also responsible for the netflix series f is for family which is oh interesting. really yeah huh. they, they produced hmm. that uh, but i couldn't find any reason why they were responsible for this i did not seem like they had any uh any anything that i could see that was for the original highlander film and maybe i just completely glossed over that still no but gaumont television is partially responsible for highlander the series that mm-hmm. would explain that then because i'm looking it at- was yeah the the series was a co-production between reicher uh entertainment and gaumont television that's why the series was set in Seacover, Washington, but shot in Vancouver, and then half the series was shot in France. Mm. And so every season they would have to write in a reason for Duncan to leave the United States and go to Paris because the way their funding worked, they had to shoot half of it in Paris. <laughs> so <laughs> true story. Like, that's wonderful. Well, mm-hmm. th- that so does- that's that's probably where that came from is Gaumont was involved with Highlander and and Davis Panzer Productions, and so they probably had some rights things and we're like, we're going to do an animated one. And they did. Yeah. Okay, so, so this, yeah. this ran from 1994 to 1996 actually got two seasons, uh, <laughs> although only 40 episodes overall. So not, not quite that great. Uh, but there are a number of Canadian French, Canadian and French actors that portray different characters in this. So I, I, yeah. I bet that there's, there's a, uh, a production for that. When, when what years did the, the, live action series uh was that in production it began in 1992 and ran until 98 so this would have been right smack dab in the middle probably as mm-hmm. the as the live action series was gaining a fair bit of popularity they thought oh let's uh, be around the time the raven came out or is that uh the yeah. raven was 98 yeah. uh, that that came that out after the series yeah um, okay. This would have been this. This actually debuted the same year as Highlander three, the final dimension or Highlander three, the sorcerer, depending on what part of the world you're in. Um, Mario Peoples. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So like that same year they had season end of season three, beginning of season four type uh, era of the series, this coming out and the movie all at the same time. Uh, none of which are connected. So, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So let's get into the world of Highlander, the animated series. And I have a huge thing to say about this. Um, This is set in the far future of the 27th century. Uh, Mm -hmm. In the last 700 years, the planet has been under the reins of the evil dictator Corten, an immortal himself. Uh, After the great disaster, uh, something that you can read about what that is, but in the episodes we watched, they have not revealed what the great disaster is yet. Uh, or the great catastrophe, excuse me. Uh, the immortals of the time came together to 
say, hey, we are immortals that are geniuses in these respective things. We are going to forswear the game. No more game. We are going to help lead humanity out of this disaster. And they went from being immortals to being called jettiters, which is kind of a cool name. Uh, it comes from the French word jet, which means to throw away. So mm -hmm. that's that's really neat. I like that. Uh, I did. And and they sort of. Uh, of course, one one of the the immortals doesn't want to do this, and he this is Cortan, and he ends up seizing control of the planet, saying, "Well, if you're all going to give up the game, that means I win." Um, and then seven hundred. That's years, how that works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he also the way, shows up in in his suit of armor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the the way that whole scene worked out though just made me laugh where they're all like we're not we're all gonna throw our swords down and he shows up it's like not me that means i win right i called it i got dibs and i was like so none of you can just pick up a sword and fight him like right now and so, just get rid of him and then go back to what you were doing they mm -hmm. they do explain right. that not in any of the episodes that we watch but they do explain that in the series that if they go against that oath they die or something it, it's yes mm -hmm. I, I i i did read that and it's like okay i get that but in this what we saw and and was <laughs> was made to feel like it was happening at the same time like they were like okay we're all gonna put down our swords and we're all gonna be nice to each other now and this guy just walked up and was like not me i rule all of you like at that moment it's like wait you haven't even like the ink isn't even dry on signing the <laughs> the oath yet you can pick up a sword and fight this dude come on <laughs> All of you cut off his head. Just do it. Yeah. Uh, well, and they, they don't really explain how this this oath really works. I mean, is is the the oath of an immortal like a spell? I mean, is, is are their promises that powerful? Well, they all have a gem <laughs> on them that that does something. <laughs> well, not to mention the fact that you're coming into this animated series targeted at kids, expecting them to know anything about highlander and what they actually <laughs> do right, well, and how it absolutely matters. because yeah this this show expects you to know what happens in between the scenes where someone raises their sword and a bunch of power is let loose <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which the way it Just dances the around dots, kids we cut off people's heads we didn't lose that part <laughs> of this r-rated franchise <laughs> you just don't at this see show it four babies <laughs> yeah you just don't see it on screen so of course uh we're we're now 700 years later uh and uh connor the dundee connor of the dundees of the highlands uh discovers quentin. that he is quentin. quentin oh you're right it's quentin apologies uh quentin <laughs> the dundee of the highlands another uh, it turns out he's quentin mcleod and he's an immortal and now he's the one hope because he hasn't forsworn <laughs> this oath uh, and and he can he can kill Cortan when we have. Oh, yeah, it's it, it's that whole prophecy thing. Right. So yeah. when Cortan says, that's it, I, I rule all of you now. One of the jettiters who apparently immortals just become jettiters because they said that at the time is like, you might rule now, but one day, I don't know when but one day there's going to be another Highlander. And that Highlander can kill you. It's like, oh, okay. 
so when I when I saw on like the Wikipedia article loose spinoff of the of uh, <laughs> of the series, I was like, that's being generous. Yeah, <laughs> but so, so this yeah is, the prophecy is essentially one of these days. But yep, this is exactly. something I I actually really like about this about this show is that you know we watched we watched the Karate Kid, which is basically daniel son uh mr miyagi and uh, a random girl going around for a plot that we going around the planet doing karate fights trying to find a temple that is never explained in the show we watched robocop which is basically just a continuation of the movies we watched uh uh bill uh, bill and ted which is basically a continuation from the movies this is completely different this is so few ties to anything that has happened before outside of the name McLeod, the concept well, of immortals. This could very well. I mean, we know it takes place on Earth. It doesn't have to take place on Earth. There are all sorts of crazy, weird animals like mm-hmm. these weird, the, like, the giant rabbit monster thing, the, the, <laughs> the rabbit monster thing, the the like elephant guys with all of that stuff. Yeah, the six legged, the six legged ape monkey uh, dog giant thing, ostrich horses that they ride. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the they, they definitely went all out uh, and just made it like I I do appreciate that they set it 700 years in the future. Yes. They weren't like, you know, oh, this is in the far flung year of 2022. You know? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. They, they were just like, no, we're going to 700 years. If, if you're still alive 700 years from now, none of this is going to make any sense. But, you know, it's far enough away that you can just you, you can have carte blanche to do whatever you want. So I, I did appreciate that. Um, I do like how they, they, they give Ramirez because basically your only ties to the movies are a name of McLeod and the name of Ramirez. It's not even the same characters. Mm-hmm. I'm his cousin. <laughs> yeah. It's his brother, I guess. Uh, but they just gave like another Ramirez, even though one of my, one of the things I love about the movie Highlander is the fact that a Scottish actor plays an egyptian character with a spanish name because because <laughs> in the movie he says you know he gives his name and when connor calls him a spaniard he's like i'm not a spaniard i'm egyptian so he's an egyptian <laughs> character with a spanish name played by a scottish actor using a japanese scenes, sword <laughs> yeah using a japanese sword in scenes with a french american actor playing a scot so you know it's fun that way but like <laughs> and so then to have this character is his brother it's they just were like well we gotta have a ramirez so we'll give him a different ridiculous spanish name and we'll go with that that this is the weird thing about this franchise is i understand that it the name is highlander so you have to have mm-hmm. someone scottish being the main character i i understand especially coming out of the 90s where you know branding is everything that they feel like they have to have a mcleod but do they like, I mean, you have Quentin McLeod here in how I know the search for, for vengeance. You have Colin McLeod and the for me, the only acceptable one was Duncan because they have a, a, a pretty solid reasoning and they do a good job kind of showcasing the McLeod clan in the series. Mm-hmm. But for stuff like this or even the search for vengeance, which is the anime film and I, I feel like there's no need for him to be a McLeod. Like, and, especially if you're doing it for kids who have not seen the movies, well, right? And, 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 they're not going to care. And this is the other thing about about Quentin is that and let's jump into episode one, episode one entitled 
the last of the McClouds. <laughs> right. We are are introduced uh, to uh, to this whole thing. Of course, we 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 meet Cortan, eternal power to Cortan, and all of his weird uh, weird dudes that all have a number on them. It's which like is ninety which Skeletor, is, which, is, which is wild. The the Maganda, the the like crazy mega city out in the desert. Like it's yes. Like, oh, I love Maganda. Maganda was really cool. Like <laughs> yeah, that whole concept was really dope. It felt especially like- since every episode we get taken there and then have a reason to leave. Next yeah. episode we end up there and then we leave. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's in walking distance of the Scottish Highlands, but nobody has an accent. <laughs> right. It's also like in the desert, and then the Highlands are like this lush vista, and mm-hmm. like every everywhere else just seems to be trash. Yeah, yeah, Except everything the that isn't the Highlands is just horrid, like arid wastelands. Uh, but you're right. Nobody has accents except for the Dundees. The Dundee clan have kept their Scottish accents except, for some reason. Except for Clyde of the Quentin. Dundee, who oh, is yeah. who is mm-hmm. so so. Uh, Quentin thinks he's a Dundee. His mother, his adoptive mother, we learn, who also doesn't have an accent, uh, <laughs> reveals that he's actually Quentin McLeod of the Clan McLeod. We don't know why. We don't know what happened to the McLeods. We just know that he's a McLeod. And he's a Highlander, as if that's a special thing and not just a person from a place. <laughs> yeah. And, mm-hmm. and uh and then he gets killed in battle by Cortan's uh Cortan's men and then wakes up. <gasps> I'm alive. Um and he still has he has a bad haircut. He has a terrible, terrible, oh, no good, very bad haircut. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a bad haircut. It's like it's it's like the beaver tail, but in a ponytail. Like yes. he pulls, he pulls up like the beaver tail thing going on, sort of the hyper mullet. And, uh, but it's pointy yeah. right at the top, like a like a yeah. like a ice cream swirl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is what it looked like. It looked like a soft serve ice cream cone. <laughs> they were head. trying to go anime, but they definitely didn't have the budget for that. So that is definitely the feel I get from this show. Is is that there is some production value in maybe the pencilers because that that there seemed to be some sort of anime influence everything else about this show and this is what really kind of hurts it for me just feels cheap mm-hmm. the, the the voice acting is i mean to be generous it's local theater level yeah ramirez is okay yeah, um, it's someone doing a passable Sean Connery impression. No, I, it's I not agree. passable. It's not passable at all. My terrible impression at the start of this episode where I was just a Scottish guy and not even sounding like I practice, by the way, and I still messed that up <laughs> when it came time uh, to do that. Um, uh, Quentin's fine. They get better. Um, so so I, I did look up, uh, look up some of these guys. Um, they both of them have a long history of of animation voice work. Um, mm-hmm. all across mm. a lot of Canadian productions, <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot of Canadian productions, but Ramirez miles was a voice in the TV series. Titans. <laughs> he was really, yeah, he, uh, I, he must've just been somebody's voice on a TV screen or something like that. Um, interestingly enough, the voice actor for Cortan, uh, also has done a ton of stuff. He was the voice for cable in the nineties X-Men series. I saw so that in my head was like, oh, yes, I hear it. Uh, yeah, And, and yeah. also you bring that up. And one of the things I noticed when I was watching this was the animation style felt like 
that X-Men series a little like a cheap version of that. Yeah, all sure. four frames years, per second. <laughs> yeah, it's it's two years after the X-Men animated series and Batman the animated series. Both of those came out two years before that. And that shows you kind of the difference in having some budget and putting some money into that animation. Because this did feel like I'm watching this thinking. I actually had to look it up as I wanted to see if there was any crossover in like animation studios. I couldn't find anything about it, but I just kept getting that feel of like, this feels like it was made by the same people that did X-Men just with a lot less time to, to <laughs> yeah. do anything. The, the opening narration feels like someone like did it on their cigarette break. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> with cigarettes still like in hand. They're just like the end. And for an opening thing, the only thing original to that is the weird 3D effect mm-hmm. leading yeah. up to the the Citadel thing. But other than mm-hmm. that, it's all reused stuff from the show. Like they don't even yeah. have anything original much for the opening, which is very yeah. common of 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 the shows of the caliber that we have watched this month. <laughs> no, oh, okay. for for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I also, because it's cheap. I love yeah. in the first episode where Ramirez goes, I'm supposed to make a Highlander out of you. And immediately in my head, because I'm broken inside, I just burst in a song. Let's get down to business. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could see that one coming. As soon as you started saying uh, you're broken inside, I'm like, I know where this is going. <laughs> I mean, because it, it sets up that way it, it really, really, does. really does i mean this is really i think before does. mulan came out but i was the way that scene pauses i'm like someone's gonna jump in this song and i'm kind of <laughs> here for it, <laughs> it, 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 it this is a fairly boilerplate uh intro episode uh, there's not too much else that we can talk about except um i loved seeing the dundies uh, i'm glad we get to see them later in the series as well but they're all wearing space kilts, which is how you know they're Scottish. <laughs> yep, Because <laughs> none of them talk in this episode. Uh, and uh, what is cooler in the mid-1990s for your, your plucky young uh, hero to have than a boomerang? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I they didn't want Zelda him to have the sword. Well, right. he, and here's, here's the funny thing was uh, I did see where Legend of Zelda cartoon was an influence on this mm. oh that, oh yeah that makes all That's the sense in the world because quentin is as annoying as link is in that show You're like excuse yeah. me I mean, he, princess. He, does, yeah. <laughs> he does everything except the excuse me princess he is I knew this was a, a thing in in the 90s, especially when you're doing some sort of adaptation like okay we're gonna have like a, a hero's journey with a young protagonist and sure. for whatever reason they always had to make the young pr- protagonist completely insufferable mm-hmm like, like Absolutely. Quentin, 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 as a character in in the first episode, is downright unlikable. Mm-hmm. Oh, just like wait the only we get to the reason third we re- <laughs> well the only oh, yeah. the only reason <laughs> we don't outright hate him is because we know he's the protagonist and will likely get better because we are alive in the modern era. But it's just yeah, he's he's absolutely insufferable and. I love that this episode ends with that electric guitar blues riff just wailing as he looks over the cliffs. <laughs> I will say the other thing with the with the first episode for me was like they were just it felt like they were trying to pack so much in exposition wise. Yes. 
Like you, you, you couldn't take a breather in between lines and understand what anyone was saying because they were just moving from one oh. to the other to the other over it, and over and over. We, we, we had to, we had to meet, we had to meet Quentin. We had to meet Ramirez. We had to meet Cortan. We had to meet Cortan's weird pointy nosed mime second in command. The- <laughs> who I, the who, jester who also sure we'll call him that i had i had different names for him who, who, uh, <laughs> who also for some reason had to get into a machine in order for Cortan to get his armor so that was the thing like apparently he's a human key mm-hmm. for something and like i was reading about some of these characters and he I don't know if they go into it over the course of the series or not, that he's a former mime, that he's a human key for the weapons locker, that he had his memory erased. But he, the thing with him that bugged the hell out of me when I was watching this wasn't the, the like character himself. Cause whatever you have characters like that in animated series. Sure. It's the fact that on his van braces, he had like sleigh bells on yes. each arm and they made noise and he couldn't hear half of the lines he said because all I could hear was jingle bells <laughs> while he was moving around, and it was driving me crazy. Well, you know, sometimes when you have a when you have a cat like a mime, uh, they move around so silently that you have to put a bell on them so you know where they are. <laughs> I guess it must be something. I don't know, but that just like the sound mix bugged me. But that again, there's a there's a a bit where it's like, yeah, it's cheap. Uh, but- it sounds cheap. Uh, but the, that the, and it probably hasn't been remixed in two decades. Oh, oh yeah, sure. for oh, sure, no. for sure. And in fact, uh, I, the, we 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 mentioned uh, last week that you could watch this legally on two different services. You could watch this on IMDb TV mm-hmm. or on Tubi TV, uh, and IMDb TV has it stretched out to sixteen by nine, which is just mm-hmm. awful. It is. <laughs> it's already not great it looking. Is, so. it's, yeah, it was it's bad. That's terrible. Uh, but the last thing to say about episode one, because again, it's pretty boilerplate, is that this does introduce sort of the concept of what these episodes are going to be. Ramirez needs to get Quentin to one of the other janitors. We only saw seven of them, but there's like 40 of them that we need to meet. <laughs> uh, yep. And uh, and the janitor is going to give him their knowledge. Uh, and in this yeah. case, it is the knowledge of Mangus. Uh, who we also saw in the flashback, uh, who is the who possesses the knowledge of architecture and uh, knows all the plans to the city of Maganda so that uh, he can give them to Quentin so that he can sneak into Maganda and take out Cortan, uh, except he fails and Mangus is killed by Cortan in an offscreen beheading, which is pretty cool. Um, I like that. Honestly, I like that they don't shy away from this stuff like this is so this is, is both barely a highlander show and totally a highlander show <laughs> well and again if you have no idea what highlander is you have no idea what he did you just yeah. know he had a light show with his sword for some reason and automatically has knowledge from this other guy who we never see again <laughs> for whatever reason yeah uh, yeah, I, I do. I mean, like, I, I agree with Audie because the, the show does not explain anything to you. So you like you can only understand some of this stuff if you go in as a Highlander fan. And this clearly isn't for Highlander fans unless it's Highlander fans who have kids. They want to show a Highlander thing to mm-hmm. without, you know, showing, you know, all the blood, sex and gore. But like at the same time, if you don't know anything about Highlander, it's not going to help you. Like, but, but yeah. I think that's also why they chose to like 
They don't call them immortals. They call them jeditors. They have this whole like special. Oh, they still call name. them immortals. Well, they do, but they but they're they're the jeditors, the jeditors, and like I, well, they, like they are. But like like Clyde continues to call Quentin immortal. She calls Ramirez immortal. That's yeah, true. they run into uh, what's his name? I think it's Stevenson. the might have been the fourth episode. So it might not be one of the ones that you watched where they, there's a guy who they're supposed to meet uh, a jeditor named Errol. And instead they run into like Magnus the Magnificent or whatever his name is. Melvin, Melvin the Magnificent. Oh, yeah. And he, he claims that he's an immortal, um, even though he isn't, but he claims to be one. So it's they, they had it was weird. Like it was it was strange to to have bits and pieces of the lore without going full on it like. The immortals can sense each other's presence. They mention that once, but then it's really, really like how how often did they just show up in the same room and not have that happen? Yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. So it's like it's weird. Well, speaking of, way. let's move on to episode two. Episode two entitled "A Taste of Betrayal." Uh, mm. Ramirez is taking Quentin and and Clyde. <laughs> Why, why is her name that? Why is her name Clyde? I don't know. Uh, to find to, to find Pardon the me. mystical uh, jeditor Stevenson. Yes, Stevenson, uh, who possesses the <laughs> the knowledge of hydroelectric power. <laughs> yep. Uh, though, uh, so uh, well, we do have a, a pretty cool sort of of, of a splash screen of this this like fancy looking sci-fi dam that mm-hmm. that was then of course after the great catastrophe just in the middle of the desert and has been converted into uh some kind of child slavery library i couldn't exactly figure out why that was the way it was <laughs> they didn't have monks to copy all the books so they had kids yeah <laughs> Um, a, lot, like. a lot of kids with some very Canadian accents in here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it is and uh, it is determined uh, very quickly after uh, they are poisoned by by the the crew that Stevenson has sold out Ramirez and Quentin to Cortan. Some of these names are very hard to say in a sentence together. <laughs> um, yeah. There's some boy, they they went with some names here. Let me tell you. Uh, so this does involve, again, go, going back to Maganda yep. <laughs> and then leaving Maganda. Um, yep. So uh, some very interesting things with this. Uh, they get so. So while Quentin gets taken to to Cortan, uh, Ramirez and Clyde are left in a prison cell in this uh, place. And you guys remember how Ramirez breaks them out of this prison cell? Uh, what he ignites, whatever their food is. He takes, Oh, that's right. He he makes an explosive out of bread. Yes. Uh He takes two pieces of bread, mushes them up into a ball and then goes off screen and there's an explosion. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was very confused at that point. I'm like, wait a minute. What just happened? What in the name of Wiley Coyote just happened? <laughs> I was going like, to say, did he get the chewing gum from Mission Impossible or something? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that bread was very high in carbs. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. 
So uh, again, and this is where we talked a bit in the first episode about the janitors and what exactly their, their, you know, oath is because for somebody who's sworn against violence, Ramirez beats up a lot of people in this episode. He does. He's beaten up he the does. nerds in the Still library. He's, he's, he, he beats up a, a guard and takes on his guard uniform to sneak in to save Quentin. So I feel like there, it's not that he's a pacifist, it's that he's not going to partake in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So he can that was kind of the oath punch. that I got. And he does and not use a sword the entire time. I think the sword is a big part of it, too. Right. Yes. Um, we also haven't mentioned the, the I guess, the near cast member we almost got in, uh, what was her name? Aria? Aria. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And... I love when she asks Quentin who he is and he says his name like he's freaking Superman. Like, I am Quentin McCloud. And I'm just kind of <laughs> side eyeing, eyeing him like you haven't done a useful thing in two episodes and you're talking like that. <laughs> and then and then on top of that, at the end of the episode, when she decides, no, I have to stay here. There's, you know, people here need me. Quentin's all like. I lost Aria and all of the knowledge from things like you. What? You lost. You didn't lose anything. You just met her 10 minutes ago. She doesn't know who you are. Also, I love that she kisses Quentin and then Clyde just decides to kiss the other kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just for whatever reason. <laughs> but just out try, of spite. She tries to, but then Arya grabs that kid and pushes him away. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, she, she kisses him and then the kid she tries to like. Yeah, kiss kiss her again, and like she just like one fell swoop grabs this child and just keeps on walking on. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. one of those. If it wasn't for the fact that this is like a twenty minute animated series, I'd have been like, did we miss a scene somewhere where where Quentin and Arya like had a moment? We we absolutely they barely had spoken to each other. Well, there's that, but we definitely missed some stuff because at the very beginning of the episode, they chain up their little rabbit monster. Mm-hmm. Oh, monster yeah, that's right. Back. When they were just hanging out outside, he's there. Well, and you didn't go back and get him. I mean, we, we, see, he's, not, he's not seen again until that scene. Did you see how <laughs> the rabbit monster was chained up, though? Like, I'm going yeah. to use this cable to, to demonstrate. It's chained up like this. You could see the chain just fully like they could have just taken that off. Yeah, he walked could outside. <laughs> Probably uh, did. Uh, of course, Cortan also uh, steals Stevenson's powers. So now Cortan knows how to do architecture and hydroelectric power. He can build as many dams as he wants. Ah, good um, job. Quentin fully sucks. He sucks so much. <laughs> he really does. Honestly, Cortan isn't a whole lot better because it took him 700 years to start knocking off jetters for their knowledge. Yeah. Like what have you been doing? <laughs> Sitting in your tower. Mm-hmm. None of people. them are yeah. going to pick up a sword. This is easy pickings. Just start taking heads. Like you've already claimed the prize. Now actually get it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like he claimed that he hadn't put on his armor in what? 700 years. So yeah. that, that hadn't been a thing. And I'm assuming because maybe he was right because he says he wins the game. And by all accounts, I mean, it seems like he did. His biggest- like, it doesn't make sense as a Highlander fan, but like he doesn't sense another Highlander until Quentin wakes up 
or another mm-hmm. immortal until Quentin makes up. So like, you know, Ramirez has been bebopping around. No one says a word. But as soon as Quentin wakes up after being killed, he's like, oh, what's going on? And then Ramirez is like, oh, it's time. Oh. His only mistake seems to have been going after that little tiny village in the first episode. If he had not done that, <laughs> yeah. it'd be fine. <laughs> you don't send your hunters on and you, you keep your throne of power, Cortan. But Eternal that, power to Cortan. But yeah, the prophecy, he's, he's got the distance. <laughs> prophecy got him shook. He's like, I gotta yep. go, gotta go kill those people. Um, they all seem like they were like discount like rejects from Cordax Hordax Horde. <laughs> they all have that weird, <laughs> that weird like little bat symbol on some of them, and you're like, what? What is this? Uh, th- so I do yeah, have to it say, kind of strange. I do have to say one thing about Cortan's guards is that they all have a number to them and this weird little sash, which is. Like and two of his his, his of his hunters are four oh seven and four one seven, and I only noticed that because they are always the two that are there, even yeah. when Ramirez has knocked out four one seven and is fighting four oh seven and four one seven. Just just a little just a little uh, uh, saving animation. Um, I will I will give this series some credit in that some of the design though is pretty cool looking like for a for a kid's yeah. sci-fi series like Cortan's armor his black bladed sword mm-hmm. and that black yeah. and green color scheme he had going that looks cool I did actually like the design of those guards and uh, like you know a nice little detail like the number now have more than 407 and 417 but like that's a cool thing like i like some of the the design well, stuff yeah, well other, other characters have different numbers on them too like we see a i think we yeah. see a, a 28 we see a 47 maybe i'm not sure exactly what the the other number is so they seem to have something to do with 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 the power structure in maganda but we have not they haven't talked to anything about that um Let's let's round out this episode, though, by talking about episode three, which is entitled The Last Weapon. And this is oh boy, this episode is fully, fully wild. Mm -hmm. This may be my favorite episode of the series that we watched it because there are some really cool uh, set pieces in this, but. We are meeting again with the Dundies. And no, I am not talking about the awards from the office. Uh, these are the <laughs> the now Scottish accented Dundies who are set upon by a new bad guy named Mohar. Uh, and Mohar and his gang are have skulls painted on them. And they are not immortals, at least not that we can tell. They are, however, a cult obsessed and worship that 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 is obsessed with and worships a gun Hmm? and this is like there's something very very interesting about this like there are priests in this uh, in Mm -hmm. this in this thing their their base of operations is a a dried out aircraft carrier like that is so cool this is years before fallout 3 did this (laughs) this is like (laughs) it's really was, really wild yeah that was some really cool kind of world building that they were doing and creating this cult of uh and they worship the brown and i thought that's a really cool like they're calling it the brown it's a browning machine gun i, so I they did gave ha- it the name of the brown i did have to look that up because i was like are they saying the brown or are they saying the browned what are they saying brown yeah and, uh, and like mohar was was a pretty cool 
character. Like I liked that. That's, that's the kind of stuff I, I, I hope. And I mean, the show got 40 episodes, so it's not like it was a, uh, a thing that did 10 episodes and it was done. Maybe they got to explore some of these aspects a little bit more, but like, yeah, that was crazy and fun. Yeah. Because it was just so out there. And he that, that gun had unlimited ammo. Uh must yep. have had a what must have <laughs> had a red bandana was, on there somewhere. I was really waiting for Quentin to pull that trigger on the gang and it be That would have been oh, yeah. I wanna I wanna hang on to that moment until the end of this episode. If so, we can. <laughs> because that is yeah, this uh, this because that moment is something and it's it's yeah. it's huge <laughs> well but, so yeah uh, uh, what's weird is yeah, we get this explanation that basically guns have been gone for 700 years and ramirez clearly not a fan mm-hmm. and it's it was like weird hearing that it, it was both weird and wild seeing like the, the the last weapon of this big secret weapon was just a gun but i i also kind of liked that it's it's yeah it's very fallout very kind of um what's monty cook's um cypher system a uh, numenera it's it's very similar to that kind of old world coming back sort of fantasy storytelling and i really did enjoy that the way they went about it was so genuinely goofy oh, in was in the in the best way uh, even I didn't understand the, the, the little priest they had there. I, I love the whole scene where he's trying to convince Quinn to shoot himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. what that scene was yeah, a choice. That way. Cause you know, in a time where everyone was like uh, um, throwing accusations at cartoons for, Oh, kids are going to imitate you. You have a character being convinced to shoot themselves. Well, and this yeah. and this is definitely supposed to be an anti-gun episode of the show. Oh. It's just like, wow, this is the tactic that you use. Like, so it's so clumsy. Like, I, I don't even think the oh message comes through, even though that someone like no matter how you feel about guns, this 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 is the clumsiest way to do it. Oh, one hundred percent. So so uh, Mohar and his gang steal the animals, beasts of burden of the Dundies, and so Ramirez and Quentin come across them and team up with the Dundies to go and get their stuff back. Basically, yep. in doing so, Quentin gets his hands on this gun, and the second that old Q gets gets a firearm in his hands. He is shooting everything. He is he is all of a sudden the biggest B.A. dude in the world. He is holding that gun poorly. He would burn his fingers off with the way he was holding that gun. But it's a cartoon. You forgive. Right. Um, But but then we have to get to one of the last moments of the episode where Ramirez sees what's going on and he's like calling down and like mocking Quentin a little bit and 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 you know making fun of him and trying to goad him on which is very Ramirez which is very mm-hmm. Ramirez but then Quentin goes and he's got the bad guys backed up against the edge of the aircraft carrier and he doesn't shoot them it's true nope. but he does shoot their feet to make them dance and all of them fall to their deaths presumably we don't see it but we never see those guys again <laughs> 
they jumped off the side of an aircraft carrier. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the thing that we talked about Quentin being such a random character sometimes when he touches the gun and instantly like he jumped the shark for his own character in this series. <laughs> yeah. And being this gun is awesome. I can I can rule the world. I'll go take out Cortan and then I'll be invincible. Nobody can touch me. And Ramirez is like, uh, nope. It's like, yeah, uh, how's that working out for you there, bud? Well, I also I, love that they're again, having this this uh, this back and forth while the gang is searching for him. Yeah. Quentin is like right behind them, talking across the mm-hmm. aircraft carrier to this character, <laughs> but these yahoos can't see can't see him at all. Don't have a clue. Yeah. Don't have a clue. Where did where he this go? Guy. I can hear him, but I can't see him. That was oh, that was so good. Oh, it's also, like, what is I happening? This animation bugged the ever-loving snot out of me because yeah. nobody ever was taught or shown how a gun actually works, and they didn't <laughs> animate it in any way that looked like a gun actually working. Like I, I wasn't sure there was an actual trigger at all until. I think until Quentin like just gets yeah. to the gun and he's talking about it. But even so he's holding it like, like there's barely any handle at all. It's just like, let's hold it like a proton pack and just fire. Yeah. And he's holding it by like, if you've, if you've ever seen like guns that have the, 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 the not corrugated, like it's holes punched out of the, of the, the barrel on the sides. Mm-hmm. That's to, to vent heat. <laughs> And he's he's holding and firing this infinite ammo machine gun by that piece. That would be horribly painful. Oh, well, he's immortal because as, as Ramirez points out when he's like, Oh, he's not going to drown. He's immortal. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. That's still going to be. Which by the way is like a super cheap, uh, rip off of a scene from the first movie with Ramirez and McLeod doing the same thing. Right. Like right down to the you won't you won't you can't drown and McLeod just sinking in the lake. The only thing we didn't get was Quentin underwater being like, "Hey, I can't drown," and then walking out of the lake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, so so to to round this this episode out because boy, you think that you think that that our our main character brutally gunning down a team of guys. Uh, <laughs> who are begging for their lives by the way uh you think that's not bad enough he's then still starts going after ramirez walking up these steps and as a show of force sprays gunfire at these metal stairs that his sister is sitting on and Mm -hmm. shoots his sister what looks like in the heart but it's only the arm and she's just got a little mm-hmm. bandage later. So she's fine. Yes. Cause when she got hit, I was like, are they murdering this child? <laughs> and then no. it's like, Oh no, I got hit in the arm. I'm like, that is not what I saw animated. No. No. <laughs> no, because Ramirez don't forget. Ramirez knows the magical art of surgery. Oh yes. Oh, yes. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's, right. <laughs> that's from. He plucks out a bullet out of someone's uh, leg, I think. Mm-hmm. Because in 700 years, no one has had to do any sort of medical procedure of any kind <laughs> anywhere right. on Earth. I very much dislike that kind of storytelling when it comes to your post-apocalyptic stuff. Because, you know, I mean, even Bruce Campbell had a chemistry textbook in Army <laughs> of Darkness. So, I mean, you know, it, it, I don't know. Um, <laughs> 
And yeah, I also I mean, I so when you if you look up the Wikipedia entry for this show, because this has not gone into in the three episodes that I watch the the actual setting of this post apocalyptic world is after a meteorite collision nearly wipes out all human civilization after setting off nuclear weapons. Yeah, a meteorite hits the, the great catastrophe that we have heard mentioned, but have not seen on, on, on screen yet is a meteorite hits the planet and causes all nuclear weapons to detonate. Is that how that works? Damn. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I must have slept through that class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, oh. I, Roland Emmerich, do we have a, a sequel for you? Yeah. But, but I just, Ooh, I, yeah. I, I also love in this last, in this last episode that, <laughs> just Quentin decides that I don't want this. I don't want this anymore. And he just throws this gun in the middle of the lake. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. like, some, like some sort of post-apocalyptic He throws the gun in the middle of the lake and suddenly he and Ramirez are fine again. And his yeah. sister's not upset with him for shooting her and everything's good. We're back yeah. to, we're back to normal. Uh, it's okay, Quentin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and her, Oh, that, that, or voice actress. I think this is the last thing I saw <laughs> her credited uh, on. Isn't the only thing she's in credited? She had a few credits. Before she sounds this. like a genuine child. I, she, I believe she I, is a. She was yeah. at the time. Yeah. Also, that character has the worst. I, I found the worst IMDb trivia uh, thing I've ever read, which is Clyde of the Dundee resembles Scottish actress Karen Gillan. I find hilarious because the show came out 12 years before Karen Gillan's first credited screen role. <laughs> who, who wrote that? Hang on. I got IMDb look, trivia. I got to right look there. up. Uh, and uh, yeah. Well, in that they both have red hair. Basically. Like, yeah. Karen, That's it. G- Karen Gillan was born in 1987. So uh, she was. Yeah. So, so she was alive at this point at least. Yes, but her first credited screen role is 2006. The show came out in 1994, which means it was probably being drawn in 93. Uh, I'm like, so, oh, really? That's like, so anybody with red hair looks like Karen Gillan. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I, I when it comes down to it, I, to, to wrap up speaking of this show, um, I have a lot of respect for how they chose to to frame this. I think that framing this in a completely foreign way to every previous Highlander out, outing. It is not set in the present day. It is set in the far-flung future. There is nothing resembling anything normal. It will not, therefore, contradict with anything that we have seen before and somehow maybe potentially uh, 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 be something that kids would get into and could survive on its own. Um, That is kind of kind of neat. I think it fails in. uh, Well, production design, pretty good production execution. mm, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at with this is like it is it is a cool concept. They tried something uh, and what we got was uh, poorly executed, unfortunately. Uh, 
if, if you were if you guys were wondering, yes, there was a line of Highlander, the animated series toys that came out in 1996. I remember this. Yeah. Uh, featuring Cortan with sword, sword smash action. Uh, <laughs> the the a power cycle. Uh, you you have uh, <laughs> Quentin's Gavor, the weird little uh, joust uh, uh, style creatures. Um, there was also a video game spinoff of this uh, of this uh, uh, show called Highlander Last of the McClouds. Um, any guesses uh, if you haven't looked it up on where that this particular yes. uh, <laughs> where this particular game was? <laughs> was it for the Atari Jaguar CD? Yes. It yes, was. it was. Oh my gosh. Not just it was- boy. <laughs> The wow. first of a proposed trilogy because the hubris <laughs> making the first game was could not be contested. And uh two and three subsequently never came out. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. post a screenshot of this game in case you guys didn't uh see it. Just <laughs> look at how wow. bad this looks. The, yes, I think the, his hair might look better in that than in the show, though. It, yeah, well, his his face is just two dots and a line though, which is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. uh, Although, gotta say, yeah. the, the box art uh, the, uh, looks very, very interesting. Um, the box art's cool, but... So this screenshot, like, this comes out in, what, 95? So this is the the beginning of that PlayStation era, and even knowing that, it still looks janky. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Atari Jaguar, for folks that don't know, was the last Atari home console it sold terribly uh despite the fact that it had maybe the best alien game alien versus predator uh mm-hmm. of the time there were then many more much better games um just did not do well it had a the one of the worst game controllers of all time and that it had a d-pad and six buttons and then a full 10 digit like phone <laughs> phone uh button oh that thing was it. i mean people like to make fun of the original xbox controller calling it the duke and how big that thing was that had nothing on the jaguar controller the jaguar this, controller was like the duke on steroids it was really? yes. it was, terrible. Now, it was it was awful now, to, to specify that the jaguar cd which used the same the same controller as the jaguar they only made 11 games for this machine yeah the jaguar <laughs> cd was the cd add-on to the atari jaguar um man what does a that sound like a good idea <laughs> but again when you were when you were looking at at playstation and even sega saturn <laughs> coming around mm-hmm. and having just much more amazing things oh uh, yeah, yeah if i recall i wasn't the jaguar extremely expensive when it came out uh, you it know. was that was that was a mm-hmm. big part of why it didn't sell well was it was uh prohibitively expensive it was almost to like neo geo kind of levels of expense yeah, the Atari Ooh. Jaguar itself, uh, I can't find, uh, let's see. The Atari Jaguar was, I should have looked this up beforehand. It introduced at $249, which is not terrible at the time. Okay, it's not as expensive as i thought it was it was not a 3do the 3do was uh was seven hundred dollars the jaguar was was only 250 
Uh, the Jaguar. That's what I was thinking of 3DO. The Jaguar CD. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Was a one hundred and fifty dollar add on to the Jaguar. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Wow. Um. I, I I gotta say, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there again. I have a lot of respect for for the concept of this. I think of the shows that we watched this month, I respect this one the most, despite the fact that its quality is towards the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> just I just mean, yeah, they went for it. They they went high concept. They really leaned into the sci-fi part of things. They they tried. It's just like you're trying to adapt. It's a story centered around immortal beings whose, you know, their whole thing is going around cutting each other's heads off and you're adapting that into a, a, a show aimed at kids. It's, it's not going to be an easy thing to do. I think they did uh, an admirable job of like conceptualizing, coming up with a, an interesting look, smart to set it 700 years in the future. Then they, they were like, okay, cool. We've got this idea. Let's write a script. No, we don't need a script. Let's just make it up as we go. Mm-hmm. Let's we'll get animate a, that. Let's get a bunch of Canadians to improv Highlander. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I, I definitely think the the concept is is interesting, especially for like an alternative universe. Because if you're going to take this this franchise and and give it animation, and you're not going to do it for adults. Because if they did it for adults, I would have I've done something similar to Highlander the series. You know, you can go back in time, you do mm-hmm. different different things. But if you're not going to do that, yeah, ma- making it a sci-fi show is is the next best thing. I I like a lot of the concepts. I think that there are some neat ideas here, but yeah, it just it completely falls flat in execution. That it's hard to like. I'm saying this, but I feel like I'm saying it through gritted teeth. Mm. yeah yeah yep exactly that like i want i want to enjoy it i i i part of me wants to keep watching the series to see if it finds some footing if it gets something and and then every time i think about that i i kick myself in the other shin and i'm like no no you have better things to do with your time you don't i watched several to, more episodes this. it doesn't go any better it's more of the same like I, I i watched several more i watched the end of the first season i watched the end of the the actual series like the end of the series has an explosion that takes out cortan and then they ride off into the sunset and that's the yeah. end of this series Wait, what? But it's an explosion, yeah. so he could very easily have survived that because you don't see oh, the quickening, do you? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I mention his hand twitches a little bit as oh, they that, okay. walk out? Oh, oh yeah, 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 okay. like, I guess they were thinking they were going to get more and just didn't because, yeah. Like, it's funny talking about it, and we all seem to be saying the same thing about the execution, and it's funny how much this parallels a lot of the things me and Travis have talked about episodes of Highlander, the series where there are times where it feels like this episode was just put in there and they did not give it enough time to breathe at all with anything. And there's Mm. so much of this animated series where it feels like, yes, the concept is there, but the execution is not, they do not fulfill what they probably could to get everybody on board, to explain what's really going on, to explain how things actually work. Mm-hmm. Do a quickening and, you know, actually show you enough of what's happening without a head being chopped off, but still yeah. making that feel like something like there was one episode where a quickening happened 
because it was a janitor giving it to Quentin, and that was it. Yeah. And in doing the quickening, he became mortal. And it was just a willful thing. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. What if we went in that direction? But instead, they have Portan almost cutting somebody's head off. We don't really see that. And then all of a sudden, lightning. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite part was it would just be a raised sword and then cut to something else and lightning. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's... Uh, that, that I love that. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to thank the the two of you for joining us to go down this weird, weird Highlander road. <laughs> uh, I mean, thank you for having me and Audie on. I guess question mark. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just put sorry. it this way: we got to check it off the list, and we don't have to necessarily do it much for our show. It, exactly. And That's misery true. loves company, and we knew <laughs> if if we had to watch this, we we had two people on deck that could suffer with this <laughs> with with us through this. It's very true. It's very true. <laughs> I mean, and and you know, I will say like this will make me appreciate the series even more because of how well they do in that most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how well it's executed. The, the execution of the series is very, very good. And seeing this poorly executed concept makes me appreciate that that much more. Well, when mm-hmm. it comes to executions, I mean, you get to see that on the show, on the live action show, but they cut away on the cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so terrible. Which is more poorly executed, Highlander the animated series or Highlander the source? <sighs> See, here's the problem is that Highlander, the animated series is an interesting concept and then they didn't have much money or time. So it's poorly executed. Highlander, the source honestly feels like it was written and directed by somebody who doesn't like Highlander. Okay, makes sense. But but it also again, it it had like there are there are kernels inside of it where I'm like, that's a cool idea. Like they, they try to give a reason for why there can only be one immortal left and what that is. And it's just the execution is much, much worse because it just feels like it doesn't like the source material as opposed to this, which is like, it's not that we don't like the source material. We're just going to kind of take a bit of it and go off in a way different direction. Mm-hmm. But it but it never feels like they're, they're trying to just dump all over it. Like, like parts of the source did. So I would say the source is worse. <laughs> that way that we got it. The Highlander, the animated series, not the worst thing in the Highlander franchise. You heard it from the source. Dad jokes. Dad jokes. Right. And nerd out. We're done. <laughs> All right. So but, well, we're not quite done yet, Miles, because we are leaving cartoons behind for now. Miles, yes. can you tell us what we are doing next week? So next week, we are also going to have a special ghost with us. Um, writer, director Michelle Iantuano, director of Live Scream, will be talking with us as she does the press campaign for the upcoming sequel, Live Screamers. Uh, Live Scream, if you haven't seen it, is a kind of POV uh, screen horror film about a Twitch streamer who essentially plays uh, a game straight of a creepypasta. Uh, so if you've ever like read the Ben Drown stuff or the Godzilla NES, it's a it's a similar concept and it's a really, really fun movie. And I think the big thing for me is it is 
a lot of video, horror game, uh, a lot of horror films about video games feel embarrassed by their subject matter, and that's not the case here. Also, some horror video game or video game films feel like they're written by people who don't understand video games. There's a lot of that. Hello, hello, kids. This isn't that. And I also, uh, when I first uh, met Michelle at a film festival, I asked, you know, oh, well, where did you get the the game? stuff and she goes oh i taught myself unreal and, and made it myself nice was, just pretty dope wow like incredible um you know just creative endeavor and i really liked it it's a really great you know indie film and uh you can get you can rent it uh for 99 cents on amazon if you'd like to watch it before we do next week's episode and i'm excited to talk to michelle i haven't seen her in a couple years because you know we live in these times um <laughs> But uh, Cortan's out there just sending his hunters around. Uh, (laughs) Can't get to a movie because you got to worry about. (laughs) Right. We will kick kick off uh, a probably a video game themed March with a movie about video games, which is pretty cool. Uh, Travis, Audi, where can folks find you guys? So we uh, we do our show. Let's watch Highlander weekly. Um, We actually live stream recording of it um on tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash tv's travis but it comes out thursdays Uh, we have an episode actually will be out tomorrow as we're recording this um and you can find that at anchor.fm slash let's watch highlander or anywhere that you get podcasts if you search for let's watch highlander um and you find the version uh, it'll have album art that shows audie and i uh wielding swords back to back because he does amazing artwork for every episode that is awesome uh so with that said gang if you would like to find some more of our episodes if you miss some of our tune in segment or anything else you can find us at the you can tweet to us at the more you nerd you can go to facebook.com slash the more you nerd and of course you can email us the more you nerd at gmail.com that's the more you nerd at gmail.com until next time we end the show as we always do with a rousing Nerd! 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 Out! 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 Out!